All right, where are we? Matthew 6. Okay, good. So, like I said, we just got done finishing going through the book of James, the letter that James wrote to the church. And in many ways, this letter that James wrote mirrors a lot of what his older brother, Jesus, taught to people. And specifically, a lot coming from what we call the Sermon on the Mount, which we find in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And so we're going to be looking at, very specifically, the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus teaches people how to pray, found in Matthew chapter 6. But I want to give us a little context around that, around the Sermon on the Mount before we dive into that. And it's fitting that we're, we're zooming into that particular space of Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount because that was a common thread throughout all of the letter of James. It was something that he knew was very important and he wanted to establish to the church it was very important that we were people of prayer. And it's what we ended on at the end of James, looking at prayer. And so in Matthew chapter 5, when we see the start of this Sermon on the Mount, as we call it, we see that Jesus starts with what we call the Beatitudes, saying, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the humble, and so on and so on. And basically what he's saying is this. He's saying, this is what a new humanity is supposed to look like a true humanity, the way that God intended it to be. Let me show you what people are supposed to be, this true humanity. And so he goes on saying, giving examples of what this looks like, and then he calls the people listening. He says, you can actually be part of this new humanity. You can be a salt and a light to the earth. And just in case any of you are thinking that I'm completely throwing things upside down from what you used to believe and what you thought about God, Jesus says, no, listen, what I'm saying is I'm actually fulfilling everything that you grew up believing and being taught in the law of Moses. I'm fulfilling the law, the prophets, all of it. We're actually, we're bringing this to completion into fullness, not getting rid of it. And so you heard it said before, not to commit murder. And I'm telling you, yeah, but you know where that starts? When you get angry in your heart. You've heard it said before, not to sleep around on your spouse. But listen, I'm telling you, you know where that starts is even when you start to look lustfully at another person who is not your husband or your wife. And so Jesus goes on showing this is what the true humanity looks like. This is what it is. And he's calling people into that, which is beautiful. And then he's calling people in, into living that way, not for themselves or for their own glory. He says, when you give to people, don't do it going around loudly proclaiming it so everyone knows, man, you're so generous. The way that you gave to those needy, wow, I want to be like you. You're so holy. Jesus says, no, you, you do it in a way that no one even knows, but your Father in heaven will know. And in a similar way, we get to chapter 6, in a similar way, he says, even your prayer, your prayer is not for your glory. Your prayer is not to be loud and boastful. And people hear you pray in a group and they go, man, I wish I could pray like that person. They know all the right words to say. They sound so eloquent. Wow, they, they must really have a strong relationship with God. Listen to how many words they're using, right? He says, no, no, when you pray, prayer is for glorifying God. But it is for your good. And so he says to them, this, then, is how I want you to pray. Pray more like this. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to start reading in Matthew chapter 6 from verse 
5. I'm going to ask you to stand with me in a second. I'm going to read from there to back up a little bit of context of Jesus teaching them. When you pray, don't pray like this. And then when he gets to, but when you do pray, pray like this. Jesus starts praying. I'm going to ask you to actually pray that along with me, okay? So we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer aloud together. And then we'll end that. And then you can sit back down. So you're only going to stand for a short time. Okay? So if you can, stand with me, please. <clears throat> Matthew 6, starting in verse 5. And so Jesus is continuing to teach the people. And he says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your father already knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And some manuscripts say, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You can take a seat. So I remember growing up, <clears throat> we would pray before dinner time. It's probably the only time we would pray. Uh, and our prayers would sound something like this. God is great. God is good. Thank you, Lord, for this food. It didn't really rhyme with good, but we tried to make it. Sometimes we would forget to pray before we ate. And, like, I would, like, have, like, half of my food shoveled in my mouth already. And my mom would be like, hey, we didn't pray. And I would try to spit it out real quick in a napkin. And then we would go, we'd reverse it to make it make more sense. So we'd say, God is good. God is great. Thank you for the food we ate. <laughs> Had to be in the past tense now. But one of my favorite kid prayers was uh, actually one of my kids praying recently. So my wife, she recently made a transition out of her last job where she got to lead a lot of teams of, of missionaries and uh, local missionaries and apartment properties. And so her last team meeting, and there was like 30 people of her teams there, and then her boss flew in from Texas, and another one of her team members flew from Denver to be there, and so this is, it was this like big ordeal, and as she was going to get started and they were going to eat together, she said, hey, would, would someone be willing to pray first before we get started and before we eat, and one of my nine-year-olds, Jonas, goes, I'll pray, and she's kind of like, uh... <laughs> Anyone else? Okay, go ahead, Jonas, pray. And so Jonas goes, God, thank you so much for this delicious pizza and this refreshing Kool-Aid. You're the best. Amen. <laughs> and so Bethany's boss pulled me aside and he's like, did you teach him how to pray? 
So Jesus is teaching us how to pray here. What's interesting is this is the only place in scripture we see this prayer spoken. Jesus himself never prays this prayer again, at least written down in the text. The apostles, the followers of Jesus, the early church in the New Testament, we never see this exact prayer again. And so I want us to know that this is not necessarily a script for us to pray, but really Jesus is teaching us more of a posture of how we can approach God in prayer. And so even when Jesus says, listen, you got to go hide away in a room, pray in secret, like go get in your closet and huddle down, no one sees. Like that's not what he's saying is prescriptive. You have to do it this way. You don't have to get on your knees to pray. You don't have to do it any certain way. But Jesus is teaching us a posture of how we can come before the Lord. That's important for us to know. Okay, but the words he uses here, because Jesus is a pretty good speaker, I think. Uh, he's the word of God. So I would imagine he's very, very careful and crafty with his word choice here. And so the words he uses here are very important to teach us what that posture is. And to teach us what prayer is meant to be as we go before the Lord together. And that's our first word, our. Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. And it's interesting, we just talked about, he, he said as an example, like, don't pray out in public for everyone to hear you so that you get the glory. If you need to, go into a room quiet by yourself. But he says, pray like this, our Father. What's significant about that? I would love to hear some thoughts. Why? Why does Jesus choose to say our Father, not my God? What do you think? What was that? Yeah, he created us in his image. He's our Father in heaven. But why, why not just my, my God, my Father, my Creator? Prayer was meant to be corporate. Why do you say that? But why is it? Why do you think it's meant to be that way? You're right, by the way. I'm not challenging your answer. God, God created two people in the beginning, right? Yeah, he, he starts with one, but then when he gives Adam Eve, he gives the man the woman. That's when he says, this is very good, right? Yeah. He wants to remind us that we, we need to incorporate our whole world and love everyone mm. because he loves everyone. Did you hear that? She said, he, who, Jesus is wanting to remind us, even in our prayers, we're incorporating the whole world and everyone in it because he is a God over the whole world and everyone in it and loves this world. Love that. Jessica, you, you're going to say something? Yeah. All right. So if you couldn't hear that, 
You said both those first two words are relational. Our in relating to others. Father in relating to God. And at the heart of Christianity, at the heart of our faith, at the heart of what we're called into, into this new humanity as we follow Jesus, empowered by his spirit, to the glory of the Father, is our relationship to one another and our relationship to God. God himself is a God of community, right? We have the Father who loves the Son, who loves the Father, who is also empowered by the Spirit, the Father, Son, and Spirit existing eternally from the very beginning, from before all of creation, creating all things together, working to restore all things together. God is a God of community, and when he creates mankind to be in his image, he creates them in community as well. It's not good for man to be alone. He can't adequately reflect what I'm like made in my image as one single being, as an individual. And so out of Adam's actual body himself, showing that they are one together still, but two distinct people, he creates the woman. We are designed for community. And so Jesus is reminding us that the very beginning, our, you and I, we are brothers and sisters. We have been brought into this new humanity. We have brought into that together as a community. God doesn't just save individuals. He calls communities for his mission, for his work, for his purpose, for his glory. That's huge for us to remember in our day and age, in our culture, in our society, which is very individualistic. And not only by default, but actually heralds that, like rallies that. Individualism is something to be celebrated in our culture. But we're reminded what true humanity looks like is that we are part of something bigger. We are in this together. There is a unity, and we're going to talk about how we have that unity and where that comes from in a moment, but Jesus starts with that. But not only is he reminding us that we are in this together as brothers and sisters, Jesus is praying this prayer with them, isn't he? And so when Jesus says, our Father, he's looking at his disciples and he's saying, well, pray like this, our Father. Father. You and I, we have the same Father now. Sue, our. This is what Jesus is saying to the people following him. You now have the same Father as I do. Jesus is calling himself their brother in that moment. Jesus is calling them into community with him in that moment. That should blow us away, right? Jesus, the only perfect being to ever walk this earth. Jesus, the only one who always did what is good and right and perfect all of the time. Jesus, the very son of God himself. We were just taking people through the story of God this weekend, which was Wonderful thing. It was amazing. And in that story of God, 
being reminded that there was a point throughout human history where God looked at mankind and said, I am sorry that I ever made you. Sit in that for a second. That God says, I am sorry I ever made mankind. Because all humanity ever did was evil all the time. That we just did whatever was right in our own eyes. And then here comes one man, one man ever throughout history to always do what's good and right and perfect all of the time. And God looks at him. The father says of him, do you remember at Jesus' baptism when the spirit descends on him as like a dove? And what does the father say about Jesus? This is my son with whom I am well pleased. You bring me great joy. I love you. That's that relationship between Jesus and his father. And with these two simple words, Jesus is inviting you and I into that relationship too. You can have that relationship with my father who looks at me and says, this is my son who I'm well pleased with, who brings me great joy, who I love dearly. That because of Jesus, because of Jesus taking you and bringing you before the father that way, that the Father also says that to you. That is good news. When God once said, I'm sorry I ever made you, all you do is evil. But because of this one man, I am very pleased with you. That's the news of the gospel. Gospel means good news. The good news of what Jesus has done on our behalf. Jesus has brought us back into relationship with the God who is over all things, that we can actually approach him as dad. That word father, we don't use that often in our context today, do we? How many of you talk, call your dad up on the phone and you're like, hey, father? Like, my, my little boys aren't like, father, may I have a snack after school? Like, we don't use that. But the, the original word there, Jesus says, is Abba, which is actually better translated as Daddy. It's an intimate, familial, relational way of acknowledging who your dad is. I want to just stop right there for a second and hear what, what would be like the best picture of a dad to us. Because a lot of us might have this image of when I say God is our dad, that you go, no thanks. A lot of us have very broken examples and concepts of what a dad should be. And so I want to I pause for a second, and if you could just imagine, use your, your imagination, your creativity, and imagine what a perfect father would be like to you. I want to hear that. Just shout some things out. What does a perfect dad look like? Protector. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. Yeah. Embracing you, loving, hugging. Yeah, displaying his love to you. Not just saying it. Displaying it. Good. Yeah, showing you attention, right? Not just coming home from work after a long day and going, eh, I'll, I'll do that later. I'm tired. Yeah, wanting to be with you, right? What else? The father of the prodigal son? Yeah, can you elaborate on that? Why do you say that? Yeah, yeah. So that's a father who, Matt was saying, if you couldn't hear on this side, provides for his kids, forgives his kids, even after they mess up very, very badly and come back to him, welcomes them back with embracing arms, and also teaches, and dare I use this word, rebukes his kids when they're wrong, right? But in a loving way that's correcting them to show them the best way to live. What else? Any other thoughts on a, a perfect dad? Enjoy spending time with you. Yeah, not out of duty. I guess I should hang out with my kids right now. Your dad loves being with you. This is, these are all great examples of what a real father in the true humanity is supposed to look like. And so when, when we move forward and we talk about Jesus saying, this God of the universe can be your father too, that's the picture I want us to carry with us mentally, what we just described, okay? Knowing that it's, it's a better, truer version of whatever you experienced growing up with a father, that it's the more accurate picture of what a father is supposed to be, everything you could ever imagine plus more and way better is the father that God is. Jesus is saying, God wants to be your dad. We're looking at Jesus teaching us how to pray, and I could stand up here and talk for 35, 40 minutes about praying, but I think one of the best ways is for us to engage in that, to actually pray. That's how we learn how to pray is by doing it. And so what I want to do is just take a moment, just silently at first, as Jesus said, going into your, to your room, so to speak, silently before the Father who hears you in secret, and just silently right now reflect on how amazing it is that God calls you his child, that you can approach the creator of all things as dad. And so just take some time to do that right now. God, we thank you that that separation is no longer there because of the work of your perfect son who you are well pleased with. Who entered into our broken world and endured the pain and the suffering and the mockery that humanity threw at him. And endured the sorrow of death that was owed to us for our rebellion against you. 
and that in the power of your Holy Spirit, you raised him out of the grave victoriously, conquering sin and death and Satan, the great deceiver. Victoriously bringing life to where there once was death and that Jesus, you have given your spirit to each of us who follow you to do the same thing in our hearts. That you bring life where there was once death. That you bring relationship with God the Father where we were once enemies with the Almighty. May we constantly be reminded of that, be amazed by that, and be empowered by that. In Jesus' name. I feel like I could stop there, but I got a whole verse to get through today. We're not going to do all of the Lord's Prayer today, just one whole verse. Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. What is the word hallowed? I mean, I said we don't use father that often in our context, but hallowed. Any, any ideas? What does hallowed mean? Halloween comes to mind, right? <laughs> what, what did I hear back there? Sanctified. Sacred. Above everything else. Admire, revered, yeah, we're getting there. Yeah, I like that. That's good, yeah. To be revered and admired and respected and adored above all other things. Yeah, because it is sacred. You guys are nailing it today. Good job. You knew what Father meant and you knew what Hallowed meant. This is the idea that Jesus is giving to us of who this God you just called Father, Dad, is. Like, remember who this Dad of yours actually is. I was trying to think through examples of, like, a kid who finds out their dad is much more important than they realized. And unfortunately, there's a lot more examples of the opposite happening. (laughs) Like, I'm worried any day now my kids are going to find out I'm not as cool as they think I am. I'm not as strong as they think I am. In fact, this is kind of embarrassing. I don't know if I should share this. But Liam has this thing about six packs, right? Like, like your abs. Not six packs of soda or beer. That does the opposite. But your abs. And whenever my shirt's off at home, he starts going, You know what he's counting is my rolls. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, you got it, Dad. And I'm like, yeah, I do. And one day, very quickly, he's going to discover that I don't have a six-pack at all. And that's usually the way it goes, is as we get older in life, we discover our parents are flawed human beings, just like us, Right? But the thing about entering into relationship with our Father in heaven is the more and more you get to know him, the more and more you realize how he's so much better than you could ever imagine. And not just so much better, but so much greater, more glorious, more majestic, more magnificent 
I want to read to you from one of the prophets of the Old Testament from Ezekiel 36. This is the Lord speaking through his prophet. In Ezekiel 36, verse 23, the Lord says, And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you, he's speaking to Israel, his people, have profaned among them. This is why God says, I'm sorry I ever made people. God, the most glorious of all, the creator of all, the one who holds the stars in his hands, who spins the planets into orbit, the one who spoke and everything came to be, the one who upholds life itself with his very breath. And his very creatures have profaned him, have spit in his face, turned away from him. Romans says it this way. It says that we exchange the truth of the creator for a lie and worship created things instead of the creator. How often are we making things in this world hallowed over God? How often is your time on your screen more hallowed than your time in the word? How often is your desire for instant gratification more hallowed than your desire to pursue the things the Lord has called you to? How often is selfishness in your relationships with your spouse or your kids or your parents or whoever it might be more hallowed that you get what you want and feel like having right now, but that's more hallowed than lovingly serving people the way Christ has lovingly served us. And so God says, I will vindicate the holiness of my great name. It will be made hallowed again. You've profaned it among the nations, and the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God. But listen to how he says he's going to do it. He says, when through you, I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. You have profaned me in your cities, in your communities, in your neighborhoods, in your schools, in your public offices, amongst the nations. Habakkuk 2.14 says, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will fill the earth just as the water covers the seas. Like all of creation will know how hallowed God is, the glory of God. That will happen one day. But God says, you, who I've called my children, I'm going to use you to do that. And so when Jesus teaches us to pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What he's teaching us to pray is this. You great, magnificent, glorious God, creator of all things, king of the universe, you let me come to you as your child? So dad, dad, may your name be the greatest name throughout all of creation, just as it should be. 
Jesus is teaching us to tune our hearts to that truth. And not only that, but this prayer is meant to do something in us. That as our hearts are attuned to that, that our hands would be as well. That we would live that out, that we would actually engage in that mission God has given to us of making his name vindicated, hallowed, revered, admired above all other things. That the knowledge of the glory of God would reign over the glory of anything else throughout all of creation. So when we come before this God, we hold in tension these two ideas. That we're coming to our dad who loves us and we're coming to the king of the universe bowing before him. It's like a, a teenager going to work for his dad who's the boss. And he's like, I was just my dad, whatever. And the employee's like, you can't talk to him that way. He's the boss. Like, we got to recognize who our dad is. I, I've been taught when I was younger to pray, like, you, you just talk to him like you talk to any other person. And, the, I, and I understand the intent behind that is good. Like, I don't know how to pray. I feel like i got to have all these fancy words. Like, no, you can just come before him because Jesus has torn that separation apart. Like, now you can enter into his presence. Yes, but you don't just talk to him like he's any other person because he's not just any other person. This is the God of the universe. And so we're going to take some time to pray again as a family to approach our Father in heaven. And this time... We're going to spend time acknowledging together who this great God is. And so I just want to, we'll just get right into it. If it's silent for a while, it's silent for a while. That's okay. But just go ahead and just shout out to God who he is. Hallow his name. Make it known. Make it great. And then we'll spend time praying that he would make us a people that go out with that that through us he would vindicate his great and glorious name. Let's pray.